calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Everybody. Holy shit, it's 2021. I'm 40 years they old. They said it couldn't be done. You're 39. A lot of things have shifted. Numbers are all over the place. And we're back. Oh my God. For a minute, we're back. I'm furiously fingering my abacus. Oh my God. Trying to wow. keep up. <laughs> wow. Things got really intense really quick in 2021. Um, <laughs> hi. Before we get into today's episode, we have a few things to tell you. Um, first of all, inside of this episode, there is a segment. Heard of it? Producer Alba is here talking to Jack Skelton. And Jack is a teen dating violence prevention social worker. Jack also runs a combo counseling and movement building program at a New York City high school. And uh, Jack's going to talk to Alba about Dawn's experience in this episode, as well as the many communication and boundary issues that we are seeing between a lot of characters in, you know, this episode, previous episodes, probably future episodes. Um, it's a really, really great conversation. And it will be a conversation that focuses on sexual violence. Um, so that content warning is uh, here for you and also in our show notes. And we've put the timestamps in the show notes on that segment so that if you don't want to listen to it, you can skip through it. Um, um, till the back of the segment. Also, hey, um, a few things on schedule. We're going to run down the month of the month of January is jam packed um, and it has many, many, many wonderful things in it. Beginning this Saturday, January 9th, the Patreon book club that I run, uh, we will be meeting and talking about this month's book, which is Mexican Gothic. It is I'm not finished with it yet, but I can tell you, holy shit, it's so great. Next week, Angel on Top is back with Billy, uh, a fucking an episode, an episode of Angel on Top. Latoya, of course, will be hosting, and Latoya is going to be hosting with our new Angel on Top co-host. We're going to be announcing who that is later this week. You should get oh excited. My God. Jenny is I'm so excited. excited. Jenny has never been more excited. You know what else I'm excited about? Coming down the pike. It can't be denied. On Wednesday, January 20th, we've got a special episode of Buffering the Vampire Slayer titled Invisibipoc, in which producer Alba and consultant Mac McDade will delve into the BIPOC experience of invisibility using episodes and themes from Buffy the Vampire Slayer to better understand the ways in which the BIPOC community is made to feel invisible. 
InvisiBIPOC will air in the main buffering feed on Wednesday, January 20th, and will be followed by an Instagram Live Q&A hosted by Mac and Alba on Buffering's Instagram at BufferingCast on Saturday, January 23rd at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. All information, including recommended reading from Mac and Alba, will be added this week and can be found at BufferingTheVampireSlayer.com slash InvisiBIPOC. Yes, uh, so excited to be hosting that episode. Um, then... The week after that, we've got a mailbag. And and now you're starting to think, hmm, January 27th, uh, they have a mailbag. But that's not the next episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. In fact, the next episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer um, is kind of a big deal. So when the hell are they going to do that? Um, we're going to make you wait for a minute. We're going to make you wait for a goddamn stinking minute. And you're going to thank us later. February fucking 10th. Once more with once more with feeling is going to hit your ears. And when I tell you, I mean, Jenny, have you ever worked this hard on anything in your life? Because I haven't. Listen, David was not rested from a block of marble <laughs> by the deft hands of Michelangelo in but a day or in but a week or in but a month. We, uh, we have been toiling for you. We have been toiling. We have been toiling hard. Um, and we know that everybody is is itching for it. Um, but I, you know, for for once, because normally if if we make you wait or um, if there's like anticipation around anything, I normally am like, oh, no, what if it doesn't? What if it doesn't meet expectations? I am literally not concerned. I'm not concerned. I, I am that confident in the work that we are doing. That Tristan's gonna... confidence cannot be shook. Uh, in this department i however am terrified and hope you will like it oh well i know what can make you feel better jenny um you can do what you do best which is talk about sexual tension giving the people what they want it's time for the results of your most recent sexual tension awards in fourth place even special agent dana scully could not (laughs) propel this pairing on the strength of her own dreaminess up to the top it's 9% of the vote to Andrew and Scully, fourth place. So sad. Mm. Uh, You hate to see a good federal agent getting dragged down by a bad pairing. Uh, Then in third place with 21% of the vote, you perverts, it's willow and breasts. (laughs) Specifically chicken breasts, really. Oh, right. (laughs) Why is it always chickens with these women? Uh, Then in second place... The shippers go hard. It's 32% of the vote going to Spike and Buffy. And in a shocking turn of events, no one saw coming with 38% of the vote. First place goes to Jonathan and his magic bone. So Jonathan, magic bone. Watch your mailboxes. The trophy is a coming. Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. I saw it coming. Um, with that, that wasn't meant as an entendre. Um, but sick. <laughs> Anyway, uh, normally this is the part in the introduction where I read an email from one of you, and today I'm kind of doing that, Um, but rather than read an email, I'm going to wish one of our listeners, Steph Wake Edwards, a very, very happy birthday, and that's coming from your boyfriend, Jack. That's fucking cute. You know what I mean? Jack wrote and was so sweet and was like, how can I gift a Patreon subscription? And I was like, we've been asking Patreon for 462 years how to do that. And they don't. You can't, Jack. You can't do it. But how about (laughs) how about this, Jack? And I just, you know, he's real cute. And Steph, I'm sure you're real cute, too. So happy fucking birthday. 
Um, and with that, Jenny, unless you have anything to add, we're ready for the episode. Happy Steph's birthday to us all and to all a good pod. Welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, boo, 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 a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one by one, spoiler free and in tandem with Angel on top. I am Jenny Owen Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo. Um, does anybody want to sleep over my house tonight? <laughs> no, not a good Janice. <gasps> Talking I think about... she's just too heinous to effectively imitate. <laughs> it's too stupid. <laughs> this week we're talking about Buffy season six, episode six, all the way. It's a Halloween episode, Jenny. And um, I want you to know that the last Halloween episode was season four, episode four. And I was so disappointed to find out that the first Halloween episode was not season two, episode two. It was season two, episode six. <laughs> Uh, Stay tuned at the end of this podcast every other week for an original song written by us recapping the Buffy episode we are discussing. All the Way was written by Stephen S. DeKnight and directed by <laughs> David Solomon and originally aired on October 30th, 2001. Hey, uh, this is a Halloween episode, the third of three. This is your last Halloween episode, so just so you know, enjoy it. Hey, Dawn discovers that her crush has a deadly secret. A deadly secret. <laughs> Fucking drama from IMDb this week. Is that what you week. would say? <laughs> Xander announces his engagement to Anya, and Tara worries about Willow's reliance on magic. There's a lot of stuff happening in this episode, Jenny. I'm sure we talked about it up at the intro, but we've got a segment uh, between Alba and Jack that's going to come towards the end. Uh, we've got all, all manner of things to talk about here. But I would like to say, how lucky are we that before the end of 2020, we got Anya on roller skates, opening this entire episode? Uh... I have a lot to say about it, but before I start, because it will be an opening of the floodgates, uh -huh. I must first acknowledge that this might be the most chaotic previously on <laughs> that we've seen. It's like previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Xander is stalling and Dawn is researching. She's old enough to research. Whoa, <laughs> child services might take Dawn away from Buffy. Willow's like, Buffy, where are all your feelings? Spike is like, I know you'll never love me. It's just so it, it, disjointed. It is very disjointed. I Usually you can like very clearly tell what they're underlining and why. And I agree when the previously on happened, I was like, so... I actually got confused exactly about where we saying? were in the season. I was like, wait, did that all just happen last episode? No. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was chaotic. I mean, I think that maybe the biggest thing that we see uh, in the previously on that is a little confusing but contextualizes itself once you get into the episode is this like Buffy trying to parent Dawn and Dawn being really just treated as like a child much younger than she is uh, because I think that those things like really manifest in this episode in real ways in ways that I think would truly manifest for Dawn so yes yeah, yeah. anyway Anya's on fucking okay. roller skates so. let's open it it's Halloween at the magic box and Anya looks great 
Anya looks amazing. This is the moment we've all been waiting for. Anya is looking so great. What a great outfit. What great hair. What great swift uh, fluid movement. She's great. She should be on roller skates all she's the so time. She's so good on the roller skates. at the Magic Box. Do you think that she's been like practicing uh, at home? Like how did she get so good on skates? I don't know. She's she's dressed up as an angel. Uh, not the kind that, that uh, fly in the sky. Not the kind that brood by the fire. But rather mm. the kind that always has perfect hair. I will say that the brooding angel could also fall into that category. You haven't on your, on your guess who board. You have not gotten to flip down. Uh, angel uh-huh, uh-huh. vampire or angel of Charlie <laughs> origin from good hair. Um, they skate around and fight crime. I mean, Jesus, I guess the only thing that angel the vampire doesn't fit out of that is uh, he doesn't usually skates. skate. He's got to get some skates. Right. So, so if angel the vampire, but he did, I skate that one time. With oh Buffy. my God. And in that, we know he's got the balance for it. Yes, Let's go. Yes. Anyway, she's a, she's a Charlie angel. <laughs> Which is very cute. At the very opposite end of the spectrum, Xander is a goofy-ass pirate. I like his commitment to stuff. Yeah. Um, I like that he's really going for it. I think it's pretty hilarious that this kid is like, real pirates live on boats and don't look stupid. That is rich coming from you, kid, in your little plastic fireman coat. I'm ready to fight this kid. I'll fight a child. I mean, Xander is literally ready to fight this child. He he takes out all of his <laughs> anger against this child later by poking Giles with his hook repeatedly. Which Hell yeah. I Hell demand yeah. to see that, that footage. Uh, salty pirate pokes... Uh, <laughs> Um, <laughs> pokes get out uh, of stuffy here. librarian with his hook 1080p HD. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would, I would dare to say that I bet you there are not many uh, porns out there that include a pirate and a librarian together. You know, you might, you might corner uh, the market <laughs> <laughs> with that one. Um, so anyway. Uh, Anya also tells Don that Xander's going to teach her a new game later called Shiver Me Timbers. Oh. Speaking of 1080p HD. I'm telling you what, like, Shiver Shiver Me Timbers makes me unhappy both in the sexual context it's used at the beginning and also in the, like, innocent Dawn after she has her first kiss. Yeah, I hate it. Just that all around. We, we're very, very committed to not yucking people's yums on this podcast, but God damn it, please, please don't with the Shiver... Shiver your timbers elsewhere, please. <laughs> uh, Dawn is too fucking cool for school. Jenny, do you remember hitting an age when you were like, Halloween's so stupid, I would never dress up in a costume? Or did you always dress up? Uh, I think I've always been pretty pro-costume. Yeah. You know I'm always looking for an excuse to dress up like a sexy owl <laughs> or a... Uh, oh, sexy internet, computer. bless us with the Photoshop. Or... Bless us with it. Please don't. Please don't. Thank you. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, I think I was I think that I went through like a phase where I would like dress up, but like be something that I could still like look cool. in. I never like I never went through like a let me be a sexy something uh, phase in my life, which is not to shame those of you who did, um, because it, no, we thank you for your service. We do. Um, but I, I never was there. But I definitely went through a phase where like the purpose of me dressing up was to look cooler than I felt I was entitled to look in everyday life. Um, mm. Maybe that's actually why I still dress up, come to think of it. Anyway, 
Willow's pissed. Willow is pissed about the stereotype of the witch. Do you think she knows? Do you think she's listened to our episode on Beer Bad and mm. learned about alewives? Um, mm. You know, does, do you think she knows where this, where the, because it's not really a stereotype, right? It's like, I don't think that we would classify the witch with the pointy hat and um, the, the cat and the broom as a stereotype. It's actually just a, there's probably a fancy linguistic word for this, but like a misplaced, right? Like, it's like they took the alewife imagery because it was demonized and they laid it over the concept of the witch to uh, further uh-huh. demonize uh-huh. the witch. So that's a little different than a stereotype. Um, but who 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 can hold on to any of that? Not even Willow in the face of this tiny little witch. Would Do you like know some candy, please? Do you know what this um, little witch is uh, listed as in the credits? Uh, I believe it's Witchy Poo. Yeah, it's Witchy right? Poo. Yeah. And the the actress, I didn't write down her name, but I did see that she was born in '98. And seeing as how this aired, and what did you say to? Where are we? 2001 still. So this child, and you can tell Aww. she's like a wee babe because she can like almost barely get the line out without like bursting yeah, out yeah. laughing. It's so Aww. fucking cute. Um, so yes, we're down for we're down for three year olds dressed as alewives. Even Willow is. It's very cute. Not so cute. Shoplifting talismans. Don't do it, Don. Oh yeah, God, I didn't even write that down in my notes. Glad you caught that, Jenny. <laughs> um, I was watching this episode with my like high fidelity over the ear headphones and i noticed that while dawn is like shoplifting and then like standing there like trying to look very cool like she hadn't just shoplifted someone off in the distance is yeah where the where the unicorn is yeah grab it for me Ah. so i'm happy that the background dialogue is in fact magic box specific (laughs) and not just like boilerplate love it can we go to the basement? Can we go to the basement? Buffy has to go downstairs. She makes a, a joke reference to the last episode with the with the zombie hand. Mm-hmm. And she goes down mm-hmm. there and and Spike scares the bejesus. Actually, a mummy hand. Sorry before. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, yes. Yeah, stop writing your emails. I'm so thank you, Jenny. Spike's down there. He scares the bejesus out of Buffy. Um, Spike is working about Spike is a cat. The mandrake. <laughs> Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Spike is a cat. Spike, Spike is a cat. 100% a cat. Uh, Buffy, we know this. Yeah, Buffy suggests that perhaps he uh, get a bell and put it around his neck so that he doesn't scare her. To which he reasonably says, "Come with a nice leather collar, does it?" I will tell you what I'm here for. I am here for Buffy and Spike wearing a collar. Yeah, that's my. That's yep. Correct. Yes, please. Indeed. Uh, there are tunnels that go to the magic box? I mean, now there are because it's convenient. It's it's incredible. It reminds me of... Remember Haven't the sh- we seen him bust in, in fire. the magic shop door with his little blanket? His <laughs> little, little match girl blanket? Yeah, this reminded me of... Um, remember Weeds where there were like drug tunnels um, underneath the like whatever store she ran? I just feel like, hmm. no, you don't remember that show? It featured some great that, music but... by uh, an artist okay. named Johnny O'Neill. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> um, he's looking for, bur- is it Berber root? It's Berber weed. Um, Berber weed. Now you know, Spike likes to smoke weed. Now, blood check. Drink weed? Up to this point. <laughs> Up to this point, we know that Spike likes to uh, crumble up Weetabix mm-hmm. and put it in his blood for texture. Right. 
uh, stirring berber root mm-hmm. for hot and spiciness mm-hmm. into his blood. Anything else? Am I forgetting any other uh, weed or uh, blood accessories? Hello. (laughs) I'm not sure, but I will say that, like, I do think that there's something to this. Angel Mm. just Mm. drinks blood. He's sort of, like, resigned to his, like, place in life. Utility blood. Utility Uh blood. Spike is like, yo, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. I am, you know, I I am Spike. I might live for another hundred years. I might live for two. might live for, you know, four centuries. But I'm going to enjoy this shit while I'm here. He has, like, a whole array of ways that he consumes his blood. And I think it's very indicative of Spike's character, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Buffy makes some excuses for why she's not going to patrol. And Spike's like, that's fine. I'm going to watch The Great Pumpkin, which yes. is on in 20 minutes anyway. Yeah. Spike watches The Great Pumpkin. Of course he does. That's all. Oh, my God. And then we see more Anya on roller skates. If you can even believe that they let this much Anya on roller skates into an I episode. I mean, if there- you saw Emma Caulfield, Ooh. like, fucking, she's incredible on those things. I would have literally had no, her, like, I know. I, I would just, if I was scene. the network, <laughs> if I was the network, I would be concerned about getting sued from setting people's televisions on fire. <laughs> I mean, if I was uh, the, the director, if I was in charge of the show and I saw how good Emma Caulfield was on skates, I would have figured out some way to, like, make her continue wear roller skates moving forward just saying <laughs> anyway uh yes Anya's in skates and Giles is in a robe it looks like what they wanted to convey was that he was wearing that same fucking wizard costume but as someone who deeply studied that wizard costume uh from back in the day I can tell you that that one was purple um and and made a little bit more shoddily as a matter of fact than this beautiful robe which is a blue velvet I will have something to say about this in just a couple scenes from now. Oh, okay. There's fun references to the other Halloween episodes in this scene, right? First, I thought they were doing like an, an uh, like little subtle nod to Fear Itself because Giles says that Xander annoyed him so much that he hopes that he pokes something with his hook, sending him to an alternate dimension where there's a 50-foot Giles who can squish an annoying tiny pirate, um, which, of course... Uh-huh conjures Gacknar in Fear Itself, but then they literally reference both that and Ethan Rain uh, in the next. I don't know why Giles is still trying to say that Halloween is a day when demons take off because uh, whatever. But then he does make the good point of saying if something bad does happen statistically yeah. it'll probably happen to one of us so it's fine <laughs> um i also just want to make a very quick point i don't have anything to say about it but at the end of the spike scene buffy says something which i think is uh, uh, like really on the on the nose it was so much easier to talk to him when he wanted to kill me because like now all of their conversations <laughs> are like stilted and awkward and like they don't really know how to be around each mm-hmm. other um so just want to mm-hmm. note that um in the next scene we get a little John O'Leary is the actor who plays this old man. Uh, he has a name, but I literally didn't write it down. And Old man Kaltenbach. Kaltenbach, okay. He uh, is is one of these actors who is in, like, fucking everything. I looked down his resume that begins in 1950. Um, he passed away Holy in 2019. Shit. He lived to be 93. And he was just, like, one episode, one episode, one episode, one like, literally fucking every show that you could think of he's wow. uh, been on. But... He uh, he's just bringing some groceries home, and um, we are to believe that perhaps he's the villain that we should be looking out for. Which, of course, by this uh-huh. time watching the show, if you're in season six of the show, you know it's never, 
It's never going to be the guy that you think it is. Mm. Um, also, just um, Mr. Kalstenbach. What's his name? Kalstenbach. Kalstenbach. Uh, please, sir, don't leave your fucking stove on when you go to the store. Good for gr- He's just letting something fucking boil on his stove. The oven, okay. I can get behind the oven, but the stove, no thank you. Then he says, I'm going to give you something special. So uh, let me just give a, give a, a quick. So <laughs> I, when we first watched this episode, I was like, oh, yeah, like this idea that like an old man who lives by himself is going to be the villain. It's like rooted in this. I remember, here's to all of you theory heads. I remember reading Lee Edelman's No Future. Uh, and and that, that was like this theory book about how, you know, uh, like children, like sort of romanticizing children, always putting children first, save the children, blah, 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 like really demonized people without children and like queer people and think about Scrooge. And I'm going to do a bunch of research on that because why would we demonize this old man just because he lives alone? And then I got like three seconds into this episode on my second watch and he was like, I'm going to give you something special and picked up a knife and then continuously (laughs) refers to himself as daddy. So I'm actually... Yeah. <laughs> so if you're in the mood to read a little theory, that's very interesting. Pick up Lee Edelman's No Future, but I do not do not believe it applies where I thought it might apply. Does not apply. <laughs> okay, so everyone is really tuckered out following the big Halloween rush at the Magic Box. Halloween. Everyone except Anya, who is on fire for capitalism. <laughs> everyone is like literally laying on the ground, and she is standing at the cash register saying, this is the most incredible thing I have ever experienced, looks at Xander, except for that. And you know that's bullshit. That's bullshit. mm, This is way more satisfied than Xander could ever get Anya to be. I'm sorry, mm, but it's clear to me. She's mm, saving face. And then Willow offers to do a little Fantasia cleanup spell. Fun! uh, Which is the point at which it becomes evident that Giles is actually wearing... Uh, Mickey and Fantasia robe. Oh. It is in the style of. Yes, correct, correct, correct. It is at this moment as Anya is teaching Don to do the dance of capitalist superiority over by the cash register, which mm. is a little, uh, you're holding the money and whipping it up and down mm-hmm. in alternate hands kind of dance. Xander is staring at this image of Anya saying, I'm going to marry. Well, I mean, this is the moment. But I, I mean, to two two points, right? I think people are always their most beautiful when they are very focused and absorbed with something that they love. So I, I totally think, uh, like, I understand the radiance coming off of Anya in waves. She's doing what she loves most, holding money. Um, and so I, I think that this, she made. I think this checks. I also think that we have a song that really accompanies, could accompany the dance of capitalist superiority. I think we have something that fits that. So let's play that. tells everyone that he's getting married and we're going to get there in a second but I just want to take us back a couple clicks 
because this and we've we've already sort of like made a note about the ableist language in this season. I and mean, not that there hasn't been ableist language in previous seasons, but it's very, very, very present. I don't even know that we get through a fucking episode in season six without there being at least one um, phrase or word said that's ableist. So Buffy makes this sort of like word. It's supposed to be like a wordplay joke where she says to Xander that if he really had a peg leg as a pirate, then it wouldn't just be his costume that is lame. He would also be lame. And the, the, the reason that it sticks out so much to me, because it's obviously ableist, but Buffy says something really, I think, important, which is, uh, and those, like those two things have totally different meanings or like two, those are two different things. And, and, and this joke is rooted in this place where she genuinely is, is believing that one use of the word means one thing and one use of that word means another thing and that the two are completely not connected. Uh, and they are connected, of course. And I think most of you listening to this podcast know how they are connected and how many things, I mean, we could even take it out of an ableist space and go to the word gay, right? It's so gay. It's like it, it, people say that word being like, but I don't mean that. I love gay people. And it's like, well, but when you really trace, I just meant gay like stupid. <laughs> right. Oh, um, thanks. But Thank I think you. In, the, in the early 2000s, as somebody who was this age in the early 2000s, I, I genuinely believed like there's this one definition of the word and this other definition of the word. They have nothing to do with each other. Privilege. Yes. <laughs> But that's what's happening here. So we'll we'll continue to call out these these moments as they arise. Um, but I, I think that this one is particularly poignant um, because it really lays out what's happening in this use of ableist language and how so many of us use words and phrases um, and have have the privilege of not knowing. And also the the we don't we don't look into it. We don't challenge ourselves. Um, so Buffy, challenge yourself. Please stop using that word. Thank you. Okay. So. Xander says he's going to marry that girl. And here begins a demonstration of a trend. Here begins a demonstration of a trend that I personally find very offensive. And that is that uh, nobody in the core group can even let into their minds the possibility of Xander and Anya's relationship being valid in any way. And it's very irritating. Uh, Yeah. Buffy's response is, hey, she's my sister and she's 15. Oh, she's standing right next to the girl you've been in a long term relationship with. And that's who you met. Gross. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's really weird. Um, Dawn is stoked. Dawn is when the only one it. that has, I think. Ta- Tara is stoked. Oh, Tara is Tara stoked. believes in love. But like, jo- what, what's sorry the problem? For screaming. I, I, you know, like if the problem, this is what I'm saying, dude, what is the problem? If, the, if... They're so fucking like judgy and it's like, mm. Well, and, and what bothers me the most is if they were like, I don't know, Xander, Xander doesn't seem ready to like, uh, you know, be a responsible, a loving companion to Anya. They might be able to like, maybe, maybe if their if their concern was Anya. But it it truly seems like the way they're setting this up is that their concern is for Xander. And you can all. Oh, yeah. Go fuck yourselves. Anya is. A, yeah. Have you seen Anya? Have you listened to Anya? Have you paid attention to Anya? She's perfect. I love her. Anyway. She has some imperfect moments uh, that we don't care for, but, n- you know, no more than anybody else in the show. And uh, certainly, certainly no more than anyone else in the show. And I don't understand why she... Especially no more than anybody that Buffy gets involved with <laughs> romantically. Well, and especially not more than fucking Xander. Are you kidding me? Come on. Yeah. But as we will talk about a bit in this episode, um, people... I mean, Xander's never going to do better than Anya. No. 
Never. Like, just absorb that for a moment. Never. I mean, he will never come close to doing better than Anya. But I think that, um, you know, perhaps there are some patterns of behavior that people on this show recognize as not so great and some patterns of behavior that people do not recognize as not so great, even when they are not so great. And Xander definitely falls into that category where I think that they really just brush over a lot of the things that Xander has done in the past and continues to do that is troublesome. So... Giles uh, takes his glasses off. <laughs> Buffy, <laughs> Buffy has this great moment where she's like, "Oh my fucking god, is that why you're always cleaning your glasses <laughs> so you don't have to see what we're doing?" It's so funny and perfect. And he's like, "Don't fucking tell anyone," uh, confirming that all these times he's been taking his glasses off, it's just because he doesn't want to see these idiot children he's surrounded with. <laughs> Oh, I mean, yeah. Pity Giles, his social circumstances that includes now that Joyce is gone, absolutely no adults. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but also, Anya, a romantic at heart, is so freaking pumped about this news now being public that she just throws a bunch of money at Dawn and says, here, have some money. <laughs> they have an engagement party. Uh, whether or not yes. Buffy is in support of this marriage, uh, Dawn wants to try on Anya's ring. Emma Caulfield's, like Emma Caulfield's delivery of oh absolutely not is absolutely stunning <laughs> so um and Willow so I just want to talk about this Willow and magic thing obviously we're gonna get more into this I mean th it's not a spoiler to say it at this point you can tell you can tell with the writing that like they're really trying to lay a clear path here of Willow's overuse of magic okay but I have a problem with the non-distinction between Willow's use of magic in innocuous ways and Willow's use of magic in ways that transgress boundaries and what have you. It's it's already, I will say this, it's, you know, we, we're spoiler-free here, so some of the conversations that um, we have are a little confusing to those of you who know the whole series because we, we have to, like, bite our tongues. But I think that Willow has a point why is it bad that she fucking decorated? Honestly, she makes a pretty good uh, she makes a pretty good point about magical decor being eco friendly. Yes, think about the amount of 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 plastic floating in the right? middle of the Pacific Ocean. Eco eco friendly, and she also I think makes a good point of like why is it okay for us for well, why is it okay for me to use magic to like help everybody with spells to like defend us but it's not okay for me to make magic to make people happy this way and and the reason that like I pointed out is because I think that like this parallel that they're beginning to make here with Willow's overuse of magic um is flawed in a lot of ways but like this is one of them right out of the gates like Willow using her this magic is very willy-nilly it is very willow-nilly if you will okay um but it's just like if we're gonna make the point that Willow is using magic in problematic ways that like the use of magic is um starting to move into a dangerous or uh problematic space then i don't think that we should use moments where she's like just decorating some stuff if we've for the for the previous however many seasons it's been totally fine and acceptable for her and others to use magic for you know what i mean like when you do when you make metaphors like this, you have you have to just think about what you're trying to say and and do it responsibly. And I I think that 
Um, I, I agree with Willow in this scene. Um, and that does not mean that I'm going to agree with Willow later in the, at the fucking bronze because that is completely fucked up in a million ways. And it's completely uh, fucked yeah. up what she does at the end of this episode. We'll get there. But this is not fucked up. That's all. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I agree. So they're having this confrontation. Don walks in on mom and mom fighting. Yeah. And it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, then there's the scene where Buffy's like talking to Xander about wow, yeah, he's getting friggin' married or whatever, and then she's like, I was only out of commission for three months. Question Wasn't it already established that she was out of commission for five months? Yes, it was. You wrote hey, it into a lyric of this of a song here in Buffering I know. Vampires could everybody <laughs> just take a look at the episodes surrounding their own while you're writing, please? Thank you. <laughs> Uh, Don pulling a classic, as Xander refers to it later. Pulling from the classics. Ah. I'm sleeping over Janice's. Janice is sleeping over my house. We've heard about Janice. Janice has been mentioned many times in this season already. What a delight to learn that Janice is played by Amber fucking Tamblin. Hey, Amber, what's Ta-da. up? Hey, girl. You may know Amber Tamlin from <laughs> Joan of Arcadia. You may know Amber Tamlin. Why I know Amber Tamlin is Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, and, uh, hey, she was also in The Grudge, too, with guess who? Sarah Michelle Gellar. Mm. Wow. And can I tell you one more fun Amber Tamlin fact that I uncovered, Jenny? Please. She's written two books of poetry. Mm. Do you know what the first book of poetry that Amber Tamlin wrote is called? I do not. It's called Of... The dawn. So, <gasps> just saying, maybe this episode had a deep emotional impact on her. And she took it. If anybody owns that poetry book, let us know if there's any poems in there about a mystical key who mm. doesn't listen to her older sister or her older sister's watcher <laughs> and doesn't sleep over yep. Janice's house, yep. but takes yep. a detour down the alleys. Buffy doesn't want Dawn to go out, but she won't put her foot down. And Giles is now refusing to get involved. Yes. Um, she hears some scary noises in the alley, but it's just some kids making out. And then, boom, it's Janice. And also, like, I'm sorry, but fucking she hears some scary noises in the alley. She picks up a fucking large piece of wood, which could defend her from a monster or a vampire. Dawn is needs to be given more credit. Um, Dawn needs to be not treated like a child. The treatment of Dawn as a child and the sheltering her and the shielding her from all that is the world is not protecting her. It is putting her mm. at greater risk. And you will hear Alba and Jack talk a bit about this in the segment. But I just want to say, like, come on, man. Get, get, gotta give, we got to let Dawn grow up here because Dawn's already grown up. Um, so anyway, yes, you're right. Um, let me take us from that serious rant to one of my favorite lines in the entire episode, which I dramatically delivered for Jenny before we started <laughs> recording. <laughs> uh, Amber Tamblin and Michelle Trachtenberg, here they are in the alley. Uh, let's just hear what they're talking about. Did you get over the wall okay? Yeah. My sister thinks I'm staying at your house. Ah. The mominator thinks I'm staying at yours. Can't believe they fell for that one. Like, own a TV. <laughs> <laughs> so where are we meeting? The park. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so dramatic. You know who would love this is Angel. This is like Angel level drama. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. Janice is looking forward to a great uh, career as Angel's future secretary. Oh, <laughs> uh, Janice. Um, where's my nine o'clock? The the coffee shop. <laughs> ah, 
<laughs> oh god it's good so they go where do they go they go to fucking this used to be drew's playground used okay. to be. they go to drew's playground uh so briefly we meet um zach and justin this season we've already seen this season teasing out a bit um the the different ways that like toxic masculinity can manifest uh and this is like a and b for us here right it's like zach is like the dude you want to look out for he's really fucking shit up and he's being fucking he's so obvious justin is the guy that you think you don't need to look out for because he's like always asking for permission and he's doing nice things and he's like this and he's that but he is exhibiting mm. Behavior that it would be nice if we uh, could recognize as 15-year-olds is also fucked up, um, but he's, like, the nice guy. Zach has strong Matthew Dillard in Scream vibes. I cannot believe that you fucking said that, Jenny, because literally written in my notes, I wrote that Amber Tamblyn has very strong Rose McGowan in Scream vibes. Wow, true. Hey, (laughs) speaking of Janice, I just... um, how can I get into this? Um, I have a question about Janice's outfit. Oh, I have a lot to say not, about Janice's outfit. I'm not concerned about the fact that we can see her midriff. I celebrate her right <laughs> to uh, wear whatever kind of garments she wants. I'm just curious about the construction of the pants and the shirt. It feels like the midriff window is like like lower vertically than you would expect mm. or something like the the pants feel maybe it's just a product of 2001 but goddamn they I, are like so low cut yeah. like you would i would expect the midriff like the the crop top to be cropped higher and the pants to come up a little higher mm. you need to you need to reach way back in your brain jenny to 2001 because <clears throat> i promise you think about delia's catalogs think about delia's catalogs i would rather not and that will help you um uh confirm that this, this it, i mean honestly i think that janice has maybe the most 2001 15 year old look that we have seen uh yeah for sure this fucking midriff is a turtleneck by the way like it's defying all logic your neck is so warm your stomach is completely exposed what is heat wise who would need such a garment Mm. you know uh (laughs) anyway why don't we take a second uh to hear a few words from our sponsors before we get back into this riveting discussion of fashion in the 2000s um we'll be right back you can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything you might shop while working eating or even listening to this podcast and however you shop we all know and love the thrill of the hunt But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R A K 
K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Okay, so the boys are egging houses and letting air out of the tires of cars. I've I've heard of egging houses. I just don't think that air leaves a tire it, that fast. It doesn't. It's like it's like he like is deflating like a a pool or like an inner tube. <laughs> Don is is like well actuallying all about witches <laughs> to this cute boy she likes. Don gave me very much like Angela Chase. Vibes like like Dawn is the Angela Chase to uh, Justin's Jordan Catalano, you know, like mm. because Dawn, <laughs> as much as she like wants to be cool or whatever, she really exhibits, I think, a very strong like ownership of self with Justin that is m- maybe not so common. At least uh, it wasn't for me when I was 15. I think 15. If you're 15 now, you might have a bit of a different handle on being who you are uh, than I did in 2001. But I love that Dawn is just like she she doesn't admit that she knows a witch, which makes sense. She doesn't know Justin or what he was gonna think of that but she kind of holds her own um and i and i like i mean she definitely holds her own we'll get to the end but if in this scene i like it um i also enjoy this new scale of how much do you like someone ho hum or i think i'm gonna pee don says nothing in between pee (laughs) she's so so (laughs) seriously michelle trachtenberg looks at amber tamblin and says pee and then we get this like line of are we going to go all the way? And in in Justin and Zach's uh, vernacular, that means are we going to uh, just drink their blood, which they refer to later as are they Lunchables, which also very, very 90s, 2000s reference, or are we going to turn them? And so for them, going all the way is turning them. Again, this metaphor makes my mind bend a bit. I'm not sure what to do with it, but you can always email us at bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Here for all of your hot takes. Hey, Giles and Xander having some guy talk. Guy talk, impending nuptials. Is she moving in with you? With your combined incomes, you could think about a down payment for a house. Of course, you'll need to plan the wedding. Xander's sweating intensifies. I don't know why nobody had any conversations with Xander about adulthood before right now. Yeah, I mean, this is a little... This is a little heavy handed. It's I think that like the task given to like Nicholas Brendan here with how to be Xander is a bit tricky because you'd really think that. I don't know. I just I really think that Xander loves Anya and I think that Xander has grown enough. Like I think in season five, Xander grew enough to either say like, you know what? I'm not ready for marriage yet. You know, I'm 21 and like I need some more time or I am ready for marriage. Like either way, I love you. And like, let's just sort this out. But I guess I guess for for him, that the tripping point is that um, for Anya, this is like so important and he just wants to like do what's right for her and but he's just freaking out about every detail of it all the details that one would assume come along with marriage we assume like the only social life we see giles have is here 
with these teens. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that like Xander's home life growing up probably didn't yield him a lot of like good examples of yeah how to start a family or how to be an adult. Yeah. Um, and Buffy and Don's mom is gone, and and Willow's parents are very emotionally distant. Um, and Tara's family sucks. Yeah, and you know, you you would think Giles might be a little more tuned into how much everybody he's around all the time needs in terms of guidance. Right, right. And you bring up a good point too, like in in me in me suggesting that like maybe one of the reasons that Xander is so freaked out is because he's like not ready to do this, but he wants to do it for Anya. Like the other component of that is that like you just said, Jenny, he doesn't have a picture for marriage really looking many ways except for very, very bad. Uh, And he's been inside Mm -hmm. of that for his entire life, his 20 years, 21 years on the planet. So, so, so we answered our own query, I guess. Um, So the teens are staring at the house and Zach's trying to get Janice to go up to the porch and Dawn's like, I'll do it. And then Justin's like, you look, you don't have to do. It's like so the fucking drama. It's clear with knowing how this unfolds that he is really trying to get Don to trust him so that Don will say yes to whatever he wants to do later. Um, and I think that that's really important to um, a part of the, you know, Alba and Jack had a, a longer conversation. And part of it that it, that you won't hear um, was them talking about this like uh, This space where you've given permission, you've given consent for so many things leading up to this then thing you don't want to do that you almost feel like, was I wrong? Right. Like, was I the one? Because I because I said yes Mm -hmm. to all these other things. And this is one of the first moments when we really get that clear. Dawn's look says, it's okay. I want to, you know, and and it's setting the stage for this Dawn getting to this place later where she doesn't want to say yes, but like is possibly questioning like, well, but I've said, you know, like I've given consent in all these other places. Oh, my God. This is the first scene where we get uh, the old man saying, daddy's daddy's got a treat. Daddy's, <laughs> is there anything Nothing. worse than a than a a hard like double enunciated Daddy. middle double D <laughs> section? Daddy's got a treat. Come inside. Daddy's got a stop. Treat. Just don't, 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 don't. If you are an old man and you're and you're just. Just making Rice Krispie treats. Don't refer to yourself as daddy. And if you do, at least go a little looser on those double D's in the middle. You know what I mean? Stephen S. tonight is trying to get so much done in this episode. And some of it is great. And some of it is not. We get this like... (laughs) Let me cram Can someone... some, some shadow of a doubt backstory into this guy's dialogue. Oh, my God. What do you think this guy oh, I was a right? toy maker. I was a toy maker. I was good. Gosh darn it. I was great. <laughs> and then that thing happened. Oh, one little mistake. And they took it all away from me. They took my toy. Sir. Oh, my God, Jenny, that was, Sir, that was really we... good. That's a great impression. Uh, <laughs> I just, okay, so he either made a toy that, like, really hurt yeah. a child or he did some some bad assault right. stuff. That's the thing is, like, you can't just, like, 
It's like, did we have two villains in this movie? Because it seems like this guy is fucking really not okay. He asks Dawn to come into the kitchen with him. Justin is very clearly like, uh, no, dude, you're not taking this like 15-year-old girl into the kitchen. I will go. Like, so so there's all of this suggestion around this man, none of which we ever learn yeah. about because he's just killed. So it's just very bizarre. And you wish, I wish, I won't put it on you all, but I wish that this man was written more in in like a, let's look at this from a Lee Edelman, no future perspective, right? There's nothing that this man did, but why did I think he was creepy? Because I promise you, if this man had been written and he didn't pick up a knife and he didn't fucking call himself daddy and he didn't fucking, you know, whatever, that we that that you still would think maybe this old man was the villain and then you'd have to really interrogate that for yourself and that would be interesting. But instead, oh God. Also, sorry, this episode is who knew that all the way would take us 47 hours to talk about. But I really want somebody out there to mash up Adam saying mommy and old man Castleback saying daddy. <laughs> please, please. Oh, for me. Yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, plus, oh, he's got a headless jack in the box. He must be. Well, so what I what I think is fun. Of, I mean, the headless jack. Right. But the. I think that there was something that was trying to be laid out for us here because like a jack-in-the-box the reason that it scares you is because you don't expect it right like that's the whole thing is that like I mean you expect it but you think you know when it's gonna happen and it doesn't happen then it happens later yeah which is what happens in this scene right he Justin goes into the kitchen you think that the old man is gonna pick up the knife and stab him but instead Justin is a vampire and bites him it's, it's like very pop goes the weasel jack in the box level you know trick yeah you thought it was gonna be this but boom it wasn't that it's something blah uh-huh, so uh-huh, but it's uh-huh. just not done very well in my opinion uh, this is Ugh. where this is where Amber Tamblyn's Janice gets very Rose McGowan when she calls him Satan, Satan Claus in her like half shirt. I'm like, you are literally fucking Rose McGowan in Scream. Uh, <laughs> anyway, who wants to help? But Daddy in the kitchen. Justin goes in. Um, yeah, and you know this man was making. I think these Rice Krispie treats look great. He was doing a great job. That one little hand, they great. you know, there were all these pumpkins, but then one had a little zombie oh, yeah. hand coming out of it, or maybe a mummy hand. I yep. don't want to screw up my hands again. And the... <laughs> ah, uh, why did Justin eat this man? Why? Why did he do it? Fun, but he doesn't even like it. He says Wallet? he tasted rank. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. This episode's a little messy. Well, yeah. Okay, so then this is where it's revealed through Boy Convo that uh, going that now that we know Justin's a vampire, what they meant by all the way is turning uh, Dawn and maybe into a vampire kind of yeah. vibe. Back at Buffy's house, Anya's going off about scheduling the wedding and mortal life being so short and cars and house and babies. Giles taking a page out of my book when my when my. <laughs> when my friends are family planning, I'm always like Jenny is an exceptionally <laughs> strong name. Or if it's a boy, yeah, boy Jenny. Boy Jenny. <laughs> um, I just want to like, you know, we won't go too far into it because apparently there's a million things to talk about in this episode. But the fact that it's called All the Way and this like use of All the Way, and we all we I think most of us know and have heard this used. It's very a very 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 heteronormative concept right because it literally refers it's referring to penis in vagina sex as like that is the culmination that is the farthest one can go that is the all the way that's being referred to it's very heteronormative and you know what's at the root of heteronormativity jenny the patriarchy 
Okay. Buffy goes out to patrol. Zach kills somebody who's driving a car and yep. steals it. Buffy's doing her little Halloween stroll of oh loneliness. Look, at, She's like, even if a former vengeance demon has so- found someone to partner with, why am I broken? <laughs> and then she sees an ambulance go by. Like, I just, yes. it, I, I got a good cackle out of the them being like, well, she needs to see couples. It's like, who wistfully looks at couples on Halloween? Like, it's like the most random thing. <laughs> She's just like, like looking at these like loving couples who are what? Just trick or treating? Like, what are they doing? Why are they out? She's like, oh man, look at that soldier and that <laughs> sexy owl. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't I have what they have? <laughs> oh God, yeah. Um, yes, she does. She sees the bite marks, very reminiscent of like season two Buffy, of like her rolling up on a crime scene and seeing like vampire bite marks. That has not happened oh, in yeah. a long time. Um, just want to give a shout out to uh, Janice's giant soda, which is not called a big gulp. It is called a huge glug. <laughs> <laughs> Love to see it. Let props department. Love to glug. Love to glug. Shout out to the props department who probably had a fucking good laugh calling that huge glug. Um. Hell yeah. Uh, shit all, is all falling apart when Janice's mom calls the summer house and she and Giles do a little swift detective Oh my God, work. Giles oh, is no. not having it either. He's like, uh, ma'am, you also didn't call here to check in. He's like not having <laughs> yeah. He's not having the mominator's sass. Uh, So before we get to the rest of this uh, episode, Giles makes a plan. Giles takes charge, Jenny. Giles does a lot of really cool shit from here till the end of the episode, in my humble opinion. Oh, yeah. First, he makes a plan. Xander and Anya stay here Mm. just in case Janice's mominator calls. Willow and Tara go downtown because maybe she's at the Bronx. Great guess. Uh, My name is Giles. I love to see Spike. I will go to Spike's lair because I love to see him. I love to see him. (laughs) I should uh, be the one who goes over to uh, Spike's Crypt uh, just to be uh, safe. Just uh, gonna check out all these nuptial talks that really got me thinking. Uh, okay. Meanwhile, the teens are at the park doing teen mischief stuff. Don and Justin are hanging out in the car, and Janice and Zach have gone off into the woods, and Justin's all, I do have a few special powers and then I throw up in my mouth and then oh it's getting like gross and gross and gross and Dawn's like what do you expect and then Justin's like I just want to taste you very casual teen this is what 15 year olds are always saying to each other what do you expect I just want to taste you you." certainly I mean listen if you're 15 and you say these things or you've heard other people say these things like (laughs) let us know because I just <laughs> or, or please actually, don't yeah, actually. Th- you know what? Never mind. You telling us might actually be breaking some <laughs> take kind it, of law. So take it back. Take it back. But yeah, this is this is very um, non fifteen year old esque. I do. I will give Dawn credit saying, "What do you expect?" Very Angela Chase. I do think that there are fifteen year olds who are like, "Hey, she's nervous. She's never done this before. She, you know, I think I, I believe in Dawn. I don't. I mean, I guess we know that Justin is referring to he literally wants to." bite her neck and suck her blood but i this uh, yeah uh so they kiss and it's they do a good job of like giving us a 15 year old kiss i think michelle trachtenberg really delivers with the like i don't really know what to do with my mouth but i'm gonna try my best kind of vibes 
<clears throat> yeah. Oh, God. My first kiss was not for romance reasons. It was like in a spin the bottle situation. And it was so bad. It was so bad. Was your first kiss bad, Jenny? I don't remember. I don't know, remember your first kiss. I just can't. I don't really. I'm sure whatever, whichever one it was, it wasn't great. I just can't remember what technically came first. <laughs> Anyway, they kiss and Dawn says, shiver me timbers. I know it's meant to be cute. It's almost cute. It's not cute. Uh, We go to the bronze. Okay, let the transgressing of boundaries uh, begin. I mean, I guess it's already begun, but it's really going to get off to the races at this point. The bronze, uh, first a fun joke about uh, Princess Leia and Luke. Uh, Do they know their brother and sister? LOL. Hey, that's a joke you get now. Um, uh, Will- Willow refers uh, to herself as a hot mama yama, which transgresses my boundaries. <laughs> Unsubscribe. So now we get to the point in the fucking Willow journey where this is fucked up. I'm going to shift everyone who is not 15 into an alternate dimension just for a second. I'm just going to like do a cute little spell. Where I transport everyone who wasn't a 15-year-old girl into an alternate dimension for like one little second. I want everyone to know that no matter what Jenny says, uh, I will be putting the video of what she just did on the internet. (laughs) Um, Yes. And Tara says, what would Giles say? This is relatable content when you find out that like your watcher is talking to your girlfriend and you didn't know it and you feel real left out and you feel really self-conscious and... Then it becomes a little bit less relatable when Willow silences the entire room. But beautiful. <laughs> Whoa. Like beautiful Convenient. for what this does to the scene. You know, like it's it, she turns off the noise. And normally, I think in a Sunnydale scene like this, we would have the music playing in the background while they fought. But there's something really, really poignantly powerful about the fact that it is just them fighting. Um, it's just them having this conversation. No other sound. Not even like the sound of people moving around. You're using too much magic, Tara says. Um, And Willow essentially tells her to shut up. Rude. These are not the building blocks of a strong relationship. They They indeed are not. Uh, We're going to hear more about that from Alba and Jack very soon. And uh, we go to the car. You are so beautiful, says Vampire to Dawn. And then Dawn sees, feels, really, his face, his bumpy face, and is like, ah, for fuck's sake. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Buffy's at Spikes. He's like, Giles was here. Dawn's blah, blah, blah. We're in the cemetery. It's Misty. It's the cemetery. It's Halloween. And Giles trips over a tree stump. Giles and Zach fight, and Zach has the fucking gall to refer to Giles as grandpa. How dare Apparently, that's all Giles needs to, like, activate into full fighter mode, Um, because I will say that, so Alba texted me and was like, did you know that Giles is a flying kick in this episode? I mean, Giles is an actual flying fucking kick. Um, And so I would like to give Giles his jingle for the flying kick that he unleashes on Zach and for the rest of the fucking episode, the fighting that he does. He is like, all you need to do, call this man grandpa more often. Get activate. Yes. Ripper activated. Younger, you were real bad. 
but now you're older, you've got glasses that help you watch over us. Thank you, Giles. Okay, so this sweet-ass jump kick from Giles sends Zach into a tree where he is impaled upon a branch and thus dusted. Mm-hmm. Great exchange. Just great exchange before we before you take us to the next point. She was asking for it, says Zach. I'm fairly certain she was not, says Giles. Hell yeah, yeah, Giles. Uh, So Justin in vamp face is just laying it on thick. Oh, there's something special about you. You're not like other girls. And Dawn kind of looks like she's buying it a little bit, which is. You know, her older sister is dated a vampire. Yeah, she knows thing. Spike. It's not like vampires, you know, like she, she knows enough vampires to know that like maybe a va- maybe being a vampire alone does not make you a monster. True. Giles finds them and he's all like, I came here to kick ass and chew bubble gum and I'm all out of bubble gum. Wow. And then all of a sudden from... All around them, it turns out that Justin has a bunch of vampire buddies who have positioned their cars in such a way that when they all turn their headlights on all at once, they're in a big circle of light. Oh, and the vampires are coming forward. Whoa. Yeah. And so this like big, the fight scene is amazing. The way we get there is pretty silly, as I think I'm picking up from your uh, tone of your voice, Jenny. But uh, the, the fight scene is fun. You know, the fight scene is fun, especially... Love to see the use of a car antenna. Don't have those anymore. Great. Popped it right off the car. Use it. You know what I mean? Great. Very inventive. Yeah. Uh, Giles catches a fucking yeah, yeah, stick yeah. from Buffy. Boom, boom. Double slay from Giles. Great yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. work. That's yeah, some yeah, great yeah. shit. Um, this is all good. I just think if Paul Hollywood were here watching this whole episode, he would be like, a lot of nice things about it. Great flavors. But I just think you needed about five more minutes in the oven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, before we go to the end, uh, well, well, let's just let's just end this scene um, before we go to the segment. Uh, so Dawn slays Justin, right? Um, and she does it by fooling him and, and us, right? Like you think as the viewer that she's like, all right, you know what? Fuck it. Like bite me, turn me, you know? Um, but she really knows that she has this um stake wooden arrow thingy um and so as he goes to bite her she kills him and uh, you know maybe this is just reading too much into it but i was thinking today watching this like the way that the scene is is structured is very similar to it's very different in a million ways but like just person on person it's very similar to when buffy killed angel um because angel is going to kiss buffy and you know it's it's that moment of like essentially letting his guard down letting justin's guard down thinking like oh she's going to kiss me in this case i'm going to bite her that and then and then the staking happens it's it's different for a million reasons but i and i just thought there might be something there um with the overlap uh but i'm gonna shut up now because i'm not an expert uh about a lot of things you know i'm really not an expert about anything so why don't we go to uh jack is much more of an expert uh, who's going to talk to us a little bit about this scene because, of course, this is sexual violence. Uh, You can pause here and just check out the show notes where we've put the timestamps in for you where the segment is um, because this will be a conversation on on sexual violence, sexual assault. Uh, And it's very, very, very fascinating. And Jack, thank you so much for sharing your time and your experience with us. Uh, Let us go to the segment. Hello, Jack. 
Hi, Hi, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm super excited to have this conversation with you. Yeah. Do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your work? I am a social worker in New York City. I do work in a high school with young people around uh, dating violence prevention. Um, And as part of that, I also do leadership work with them. So kind of, we think of it as movement building work. So building out young people's capacity and um, our community's capacity to responding to violence in all its facets. Uh, And that includes institutional violence from the police, from carceral systems, uh, from school systems sometimes Mm -hmm. around uh, the different kinds of violence that young people experience and the different kinds of unhealthy or abusive patterns that they learn uh, from adults sometimes and from systems and how to change those and how to change them in their own lives and their own behaviors. Wow. Short 10 years ago that I was in high school, it's not nothing, nothing even remotely close to that kind of conversation happening. And it's so, so important. So let's talk about all the way. Yes, please. Let's get into it. Yeah, let's do it. Tell me your thoughts, please. You have these different relationships in that episode um, that are kind of running across parallel lines um, of various degrees of, of unhealthy things that are happening. Clearly the communication, for example, between Xander and Anya, they have not communicated about some of their expectations they have for one another and for their future life and relationship. Right. (laughs) And just get engaged, but don't talk about it. You know, like, just like, we'll figure it out as we go, whatever. Uh, Then you've got Willow and Tara who are like crossing the line in this episode, like, running over the line into the abuse category. Yeah. And there's this really interesting moment where you've got Dawn in the car with with the football player, Justin, and they're making out. And he tells her, shh, like to get her to be quiet so that he Mm. can kiss her. Mm. And then like, you know, when it skips to the next scene, you've got Willow and Tara in in the bronze looking for her. And there's that moment where Willow tells Tara that it would be good if she would shut up. When I think about abuse, and this isn't my analysis, this is analysis that I've learned um, from the dating violence and domestic violence, like, you know, working community. But the idea of abuse, you have the component of, is someone trying to control you or the relationship? Is it their intention? Like, is it a mistake? Because we all make mistakes, but is it a mistake or is it their intention to control you? Mm. And is it part of a pattern? So those three pieces. And Willow is clearly building a pattern. When I was a kid and I watched this, I didn't, I, I didn't understand that Willow was doing anything wrong. I didn't understand those boundaries that we're talking about. I didn't get that it would be wrong for her to just like move everyone out of the, you know, who wasn't a 15 year old girl into a different dimension. I was like, well, yeah, it's easier. Why wouldn't she just use magic? Yeah. It's like, nice. It's fun. It's simple. So many of the problems, and you brought this up and I think you made a really beautiful point. We don't really deal with the consent issue of Zach and Justin. Justin is kind of unceremoniously killed. But the other monstrous behavior that people engage in when they're human, the show also doesn't deal with it. Mm -hmm. There's always kind of a, 
a resolution that doesn't require the actual hard work that that dealing with abusive behavior or even just conflict, larger questions of community consent mm-hmm. would require. The show never works through it. No. And that's one of the huge disappointments of the show that as I've gotten older, um, and I mean, it's not that I love it any less, but it's something that I do recognize as we really begin to think about these questions of consent, mm-hmm. like whether it's with Dawn right now or the abusive behavior we're seeing Willow kind of mm-hmm. really moving into and beginning to display. Are there signs that we can look out for as adults, as people who have youth in our life, or like people in our lives that we look out for support to prevent harm from happening? I think that's a really good question. And I think that sometimes we're taught to look at at risk as meaning a particular like racialized experience, like exactly, yeah. poor or mm-hmm. low income um, girls of color are often like kind of immediately identified as at risk as opposed to thinking about like, are there young people who've experienced trauma and therefore have a harder time communicating, identifying their own feelings, mm-hmm. like regulating their feelings because they know that, or they've had experiences in the past where them having feelings has been used against them in violent right. ways. Right. And so just like, I think anybody in our lives who seems to be having trouble articulating themselves and communicating their feelings and communicating their needs and wants is, is at risk. And I don't right. mean for, for assault, but I mean for not being able to get what they need. Right. And being able to hear other people's boundaries because, yes. and I'm not saying that you're not responsible, but it makes sense that you might not be fully listening. You might, might not be prepared to hear and everything. You're just constantly on the defense. How can Dawn grapple with understanding what happened? You know, if Buffy is concerned about Dawn engaging in precarious behavior because she knows how dangerous it is, that's still, that's still at the bottom of the, at the root of the problem is what victim blaming is. Right. And, and again, it's that same thing about monsters and the free pass almost of, well, they're going to do it anyway. So you have to be careful. And if you put yourself in that situation, then you're the one who, Mm -hmm. you know, got yourself in that situation because you can't expect any different. To your question of like, how can, how to support Dawn? I mean, no one talks with her about what happened, it seems. Like Buffy, Buffy, Giles tells Buffy that she has to talk to her. Mm-hmm. And then Buffy presumes that Giles will talk to her. Nobody is having the conversation with Dawn any more than anybody seems to be having a conversation with Willow about the fact that she brought somebody back from the dead. And how traumatic that was or any, any of them about having lost, like they all need therapy. (laughs) Why is no supportive adult talking to these children? (laughs) So there's that moment at the beginning where, um, you know, in the previously on where we see her saying that she is old enough to do demon research. Mm-hmm. And then all of these moments in this episode where she is trying to demonstrate, I think more to herself than to anybody yeah. else, maybe to Janice, but mostly to herself that she's mm-hmm. mature enough 
for various things. She says that she'll go for it and smash the pumpkin. And I think it's this moment where she is trying to demonstrate to herself that she doesn't have to be scared. Right. She's trying to feel her power. Yeah. She's testing her her own boundaries with herself. And then, of course, her power is over this episode kind of played with and then stripped away uh, up until the end where, you know, she does reexert power and she stakes Justin. Yes. But I mean, also how traumatizing is that to have to enact existential like end upon someone in order to protect yourself? Yeah. And also the first person that you like wanted to kiss or when we're in a position to have anything romantic with. Yeah. Is there anywhere that the listeners can find you or the work that you do or anything that you want to plug? Um, there's so many like teen dating violence prevention organizations and so many different people, uh, and organizations doing awesome work in New York city, which is where I'm located. Um, day one is the organization that I work with here in New York, uh, which specifically does teen dating violence work, but also there's, um, the anti-violence project, which specifically does work around LGBTQ folks here in the city and dating violence and domestic violence. Um, and just a host of other awesome youth organizations that my, uh, the students that I work with have been able to partner, partner with over the years in doing strong anti-racist, um, and anti-violence work. Cause like I said, and like they believe violence, isn't just about somebody that you have a partnership with. It's also about what are the other ways that we're taught violence from systems? Mm, absolutely. Yeah. I personally love uh, Save Our Streets, SOS, uh, Street Work Projects does amazing work with young people, uh, The Door, Alley Forney Center, so many awesome youth organizations in the city that I have so much appreciation for. Amazing. I appreciate the work you guys do at Buffering so much. It's just been so wonderful you know, as the buffering community has expanded over the years, it's been yeah. such a pleasure to like learn and listen together. So yes, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so, so much for your time. Alba, Jack, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that conversation. Um, Jack, we hope to have you back. Uh, Alba, we know we're going to have you mm-hmm. back. Um, but really, yes. thanks for bringing in a more nuanced look at this episode, which contains some big themes. Hey, this season contains a lot of them, doesn't it, Jenny? <laughs> it sure. It, it sure, sure does. does. Uh, can we transition to um, muscular strippers or? Before we actually I have to talk about something before mm-hmm. we go there. Spike is very grumpy that this crew didn't take Halloween off. He's like, those are the rules. <laughs> and then this dumb vampire is like, me and mine don't follow any rules. And then Spike shoots him with a crossbow. And then while he is taking his sweet ass time, wasting precious seconds on the battlefield, reloading a new bolt into his crossbow, he is tackled, sending the just loaded bolt off into space, ineffective, useless, reaffirming my Mm. position that crossbows and all ranged weapons are stupid for close combat. Get out your melee weapons, you ding-dongs. Well, speaking... Also, Buffy beheads someone with a card. Speaking of... Rippin'. Speaking of ding-dongs and close contact, why don't we go to the Sexual Tension Awards? Ooh, yes. 
welcome to your season six, episode six, Sexual Tension Awards. The time is now, the place is here. The noms for the slots are as follows. You know, on Angel on Top last week, Jenny, I did a, a little segment um, on how they get the pimentos into the olive and someone... Yeah, I fucking Somebody know. wrote uh, and said, I couldn't listen to, to Kristen doing that segment on olives and pimentos without thinking, uh, oh, you mean how they get the slot in that nom? <laughs> Hell yeah. So, <laughs> anyway. Nice. What are, My beautiful legacy. What are, if you can't beat them, join them. What are our noms, Jenny, and which slots do they go in? Well, <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. In the number one slot, the noms are nice, wholesome, uh, expected. It's a beautiful love, and we love to see it. It's Xander and Anya. Yeah, they're fine. In the second slot. In the second slot. Here are some more noms for you. Well, in a dark basement, words were said that could never be unsaid. Collars were suggested that could never be unsuggested. It's Buffy, Spike, and a leather Buff- collar. Yeah, baby. In the third slot, some secrets were meant to be kept in a crypt in a scene that didn't make it to air. It's Giles and Spike, a forbidden English love. Wow. You should just have the podcast called Sexual Tension Awards and just do this for a living. Sure. Sure, 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 sure. And in the fourth slot, oh my God, there are two noms remain. Two noms, one slot. (laughs) Just making the same, just making the same jokes every episode and getting a bigger kick out of them every time. <laughs> oh, oh God! It's good to be consistent. Um, <laughs> nothing, nothing gets hornier than this in this episode. It's Anya coupled with the concept of being publicly engaged. Mm. She's so into it. Just let her have this one, people. Thank yeah. you. Uh, write-in votes will be accepted for Kristen and Anya on roller skates. I repeat, write-in votes will be counted for Kristen and Anya on roller skates. Uh, the poll is up right now. If you're listening to it, it means, well, that's not true because I put it up sometimes a few hours after it goes live. But it should be up now on our Twitter, at BufferingCast. It stays <laughs> up for seven days, seven nights, and uh, you just pick the one you want. Or write oh, in. Oh, yeah. Sexual attention um, now, now that we have successfully cleared the hurdle of the sexual attention awards, we can safely talk about obscenely muscular male strippers. <laughs> uh, well, so Anya's like muscular stripper. Xander's like, I don't know, man. And uh, she's like, just kidding, honey. And then she looks above and goes, we'll talk later. Uh, <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. I'm really into like Buffy and Anya just like getting into some muscular male strippers together. That sure, I'm there for that. Sure. I'm there for it. Um so Buffy says to Spike, good fight as he leaves, and she looks very, very meaningfully at him. There's something is a brew. Something is uh, something right? is up. Uh something's happening with Buffy here. Um, and I don't know what it is, or maybe I do, but I can't tell you. Um, Tara's mad. Tara's still mad. Like any good queer woman, she's holding on to that anger. She's going to hold on to it. She's going to take it to bed. She's going to fucking fall asleep with that anger. She's going to wake up with it in the morning. Good job, Tara. Good Lord, woman. (laughs) 
Well, she wa- she wants to take yeah. it to bed and wake up with it in the morning, yeah. but that's actually not going to happen because of some very creepy, uncool yeah, shit. Yeah, this is... You know, uh, Willow definitely crossed boundaries uh, in suggesting the spell at the bronze. Willow has been doing a lot of lying, avoiding. But this is massive. She does a spell so that Tara will not remember that she's mad at Willow. And that is, yeah. And I will say, so what I will say is this, because we can't, obviously there's a lot we can't talk about, but I will Mm -hmm. say that there will be a point in which we can talk about this and it will be, I think, spoken about on the show itself. Do you think I can say that safely? Yes. Good. Uh, and when it is, we will go uh, deeper into it. So just let us get to that point, and then we're, we're going to have a conversation, okay? Um, one oh, other yeah. thing is that nobody talks to fucking... Nobody talks to Dawn. And they and they mentioned this. Jack and Alba mentioned this in, in their conversation together. But... Um, a lot, a lot of times I think it's very easy to get really angry with Buffy, right? And, and to be like, well, what the fuck, Buffy? Like, you had, you had this experience, you know, or, or experiences like this. This would be the perfect way, perfect time for you to actually give some guidance to Dawn. Um, and Alba actually and I had this conversation where she was like, I'm so mad at Buffy. And I was like, well, yeah, but Buffy's 21 years old. And, like, let us not lose sight of that. That, like, Buffy is 21, and and as much as I wish that she was having these conversations with Dawn, I'll tell you what I would not have been doing at 21 fucking years old. I would not be able to parent this child at all because I was also a child. Um, And so Buffy's inability to have those conversations, I I think, makes sense. Giles' inability to have these conversations is more upsetting to me, Um, or at least his awareness that something needs to be done. Maybe he can't do it, but he needs to provide resources to Dawn. Something should be happening at the end of this episode past Giles saying that he's disappointed and angry with Dawn. That is absolutely not okay. She's lost her mother. She's found out she's a mystical key and survived near death. Um, Her sister's the slayer. There's demons all over the place all the time. This kid needs help and not to be told that she's a child and she can't feel anger. So help this girl. Help this fucking girl, guys. Ah. Anyway, what a wonderful way to roll into 2021. Yikes. Hey, we have a lot. We have a lot to journey through this season, um, but I think we're going to do it wonderfully. Uh, and by that, I don't mean like Jenny and I are going to do a good job. I hope we do. But I think that we are going to journey together wonderfully as a community through some fucking shit. Oh, yeah. But, you know, we've been working real hard on the next episode. Um, we're, we're working real Ooh. hard, real hard. And I'm sure we told you up into the up at the intro, but just in case you skipped it, um, you're going to hear a little bit of a little bit of silence from Jenny and I. We will not be back with season six, episode seven until the start of February. We will have some incredible episodes happening uh, in January, a mailbag, and much more importantly, a, a incredible conversation between Mac and Alba talking about invisibility, the invisibility of BIPOC in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, using Buffy itself as a vehicle to have that conversation. It's going to be so fucking great. Cannot wait to share that with you. Mm-hmm. And we will be back, Jenny and I, with Once More With Feeling. At the start of February, um, and I think, I think, I hope that it's worth the wait. Gosh, I hope so too. But until then, I'm Jenny Owen Youngs, and when I'm not making this podcast with Kristen, I'm usually writing and recording songs. I just had a brand new song come out on December 18th, uh, the day after Kristen turned. Oh yeah, I'm 40, 40 now. Hmm. Um, <laughs> Thank congrats! You. Thank happy you. birthday. 
I had this little song. Actually, it it uh, came out on the 18th, but it aired on Grey's Anatomy on your ah. birthday on the 17th. It's called Little Bird. You can find that and some other new music. Uh, and actually all my old music as well on Bandcamp, Spotify, and Apple Music, or wherever you listen to jams. Uh, you can learn more about me at JennyOwenYoungs.com. And you can also give me a shout on Twitter and keep up to date on new releases at JennyOwenYoungs. Also, in addition to uh, being able to listen to me talk at length about another petite blonde protagonist over on Veronica Mars Investigations, you can find me on recent episodes in both a chatty and musical capacity of... Uh, Helen Zaltzman's Amazing Language podcast, The Allusionist, and also Hello from the Magic Tavern on their Solstice special. Hell, Hell yeah. yeah. Wow. I should have gone first because I don't really have that much to offer. Um, I'm Kristen <laughs> Russo. <laughs> you can learn more about the work that I do at kristinnoline.com. You know what? I have a jingle. It'll help you spell it. That's something to offer the folks. Kristen with an eye, Yes, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E dot com. Uh, you can learn about work that I do with LGBTQ communities. Uh, you can also use that spelling of my first and middle names to find me on Twitter or on Instagram. I pretty much spend all of my life trying to make this podcast the best thing that it could ever be. Um, so, you know, but I also... <laughs> Brava. I also do a very fun podcast with Joanna Robinson that is on the Buffering Patreon page and on The Storm, which is Joanna Robinson's Lost Rewatch podcast, on their Patreon page as well. We just completed our December jaunt through watching Christmas Vacation, Die Hard, and Meet Me in St. Louis. Uh, normally, that is a podcast where I watch movies I've never seen for the first time. I've never seen Die Hard, and I've never seen Meet Me in St. Louis, so those will be first for me. Woo! Joanna Robinson has never seen Christmas Vacation, so that's going to be a first That's for bananas. her. I know. So join us. It's called Feels Like the First Time. It is truly a joy. It's, it's so much fun. Um, it's available to all of our patrons. You can find more about our Patreon at BufferingTheVampireSlayer.com. Just click on Patreon. Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at BufferingCast. Or you can drop us an email at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voicemail at 216 216- Three zero B U F F Y. You can support us on Patreon, of course. Uh, there's a lot of fun things going on there. I told you where to find it just a moment ago. Were you listening? Uh, you can also support us by buying some merch. You can go on over to our store. Just click on shop, and you will be taken to either the UK store if you are overseas, or uh, the US based store. We have some really fun things. Uh, lots of patriarchy smashing. Uh, some very fun shirts from Isabella Rotman. You messed with the wrong wit. There's just good. It's good shit. It's good shit. Listen, we might help make it, but I love it. So there you have it. <laughs> and you can also review us, rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, if you have a minute, we would love for everyone in the world to find us here and build one giant community of Buffy the Vampire Slayer loving, patriarchy smashing, white supremacy skewering uh, uh, slayers. Skewers. skewers and slaying and yeah, I gotta go. <laughs> okay. Well, till next time. <gasps> uh, uh, woo! Happy New Year. Woo! <laughs> Confetti explosion. Bye. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you.
Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.